you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians. In chapter 1, this is God's Word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he has told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason, also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness, and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated 
and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. He's saying, I didn't pick myself for this job. I didn't give myself this task. I didn't appoint myself an apostle. I am an apostle of Christ by God's will. Now this has special meaning when you remember Paul's history. He wasn't always called Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus. He was a guy who was famous for persecuting Christians. He traveled from place to place, rounding up believers, dragging them out of their homes, torturing them and trying to get them to renounce the faith. Not a nice guy. Very bad, the things that he was doing. And God saved him. Why? Well, because there came a point in Paul's life where he felt a certain emptiness. Beating up Christians just wasn't satisfying anymore. And so he went on a quest, searching for what he could do to find fulfillment. And along the way, he read a wonderful booklet that pointed him to the gospel and caused... No! He was on his way to Damascus to round up some more Christians to persecute. And God shined such a bright light on him that it blinded him. And God spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he responded, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, in this letter to the Colossians, one of the things Paul's going to emphasize is our union with Christ and the fact that we are the body, he is the head. Inseparable. Essential union. Paul certainly knew that. He understood that in a way that many people didn't because he had been confronted by the risen Christ with the fact that the way you treat Christians is the way you treat Christ. Let that sink in for a moment. The way that you treat Christians is the way you treat Christ. That's why Paul tells the Corinthians that they should not celebrate communion rather than keep on celebrating the way they had been. Because the way they celebrated communion, the way they did fellowship, the way they did church, was worse than not doing it. And by the way, he's not suggesting they stop doing it. He's suggesting that they need to do it rightly. 
And he says, if you're going to worship rightly, you've got to love one another. You've got to look after one another. You've got to be sensitive to one another. So Paul, of all people, had an understanding of the Christian's union with each other and with our Lord Jesus Christ. And he understood better than many the fact that it is all God's grace that makes us part of the body, that brings us into the family of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will. And Timothy, our brother, to the saints in Christ at Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Do you really believe that God is on our side? Or do you basically see yourself as kind of worthless and God's probably already angry at me? So I'm just going to try and stay out of his way. Hope he sees somebody else that upsets him more so that he'll focus on them and not look at what I'm doing. I mean, if the devil can distort your view and cause you to think you might as well, do you know when I eat too much? When I feel like I'm overweight? You say, well, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's the way it works. When I feel like I've already blown it, I'm going to have to go on a diet, so before I do, I think I'm going to have a brownie. Stupid. But my friends who've battled alcoholism do the same thing. Oh, I'm about to go into rehab, so I'm going to go out and have one last bender. Crazy. Crazy. Where does that thinking come from? The father of lies, that's where. But it works very effectively. He's been doing it for all of human history. He told Eve, God's not being honest with you. He's trying to keep you from becoming like him. If you eat this fruit, you will not die. You'll get better. Temptation comes to us not just to do the wrong thing, but to believe the wrong thing. To believe the wrong thing about God to view him as our adversary instead of our creator, our provider, our redeemer. So, Paul is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and giving instruction to believers, and he calls them saints. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Well, How much grace, how much peace? Well, he loves you so much that he sent his son to save you. Could he possibly love you more? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. For we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You're living this way because of what you know is coming. Over and over I use the illustration of one of our adopted children who gave away his favorite things when he knew that we were coming to get him and bring him to America. 
If you and I really believe that God has redeemed us and that we're going to heaven and that he's going to meet our every need, we will not be stingy people. We will be generous people, glad to share what God has entrusted to us because we know that there is so much more coming. It's because of the hope reserved for you in heaven that you have this love for the saints. You've already heard about this hope in the word of truth, the gospel that's come to you. It's bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as it has among you since the day you heard it and came to truly appreciate God's grace. He says, we've heard great things about what God is doing among you. But I want you to know God is working all over the world. And folks, I'll tell you, despite all the terrible things that we hear about in the news and things we see in our own culture, the fact of the matter is God is changing lives all over the world. People are being saved. Amazing things are happening. The fastest growing church on the planet, the most rapid rate of growth on the planet right now is in Iran. And it's not because the government has changed their position. It's because God is changing people's hearts. God is renewing the lives of people who were hopeless. And they found hope now in Jesus Christ. You learned this from Epaphras, our dearly loved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, and he's told us about your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about this, we haven't stopped praying for you. Do you pray for others? I mean, do you really intercede on behalf of other people? Here's a great model of what to pray. We're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, so that you'll do what you should do, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. I'd appreciate it if you'd pray this for me. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have greater endurance and patience joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Please get that picture of salvation. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. It's not that we wised up and walked out. God's the one who changes the human heart. God is the one who takes the blinders off of our eyes. He gives us new life. He rescues us from being under the control of sin. We're not under the control of sin when we trust Christ. We don't have to keep doing those things. Well, I just can't change. I've always been that way. Yeah, you used to be that way, but you don't have to be that way anymore. Well, you know, it runs in my family. So does hell, okay? You don't have to continue that way. You can be new in Christ Jesus. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. That means the control, the dominion, the kingdom of darkness. And he transferred us. He transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And in him... 
we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's the one who accomplished it. People ask me often, how can I know that I'm saved? I'm not sure that I prayed the right prayer. I'm not sure that I really understood enough. I'm not sure that I was really mature enough. I'm not sure that, that I was really saved. Okay, well, I don't know. God does. He knows your past history, but I want to be sure you understand this. If you weren't saved, we can't go back and fix that, but you can now be sure that you are saved by trusting in Jesus. If you're trusting in him, you're his child. If you're not trusting in him, if you're trusting in praying the right prayer, doing the right thing, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that the church I was saved in was really a good church. It doesn't have to be. You're not saved by the church, you're saved by Jesus. Okay? If the preacher's a total fraud, the gospel's still true. If you believe the gospel, it's because God has given you faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And if you believe the good news and trust in Jesus Christ, it's because of a supernatural work that God has done in your heart. It is his doing. He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. But please notice this. It's the kingdom of his dear son. He's the king. He is Lord. And you and I need to obey him. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. He's also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Well, now, wait a minute. Who are we talking about here? The one who died on the cross? Yes. And what do we know about the one who died on the cross? He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is not part of the creation. He was not created. For everything was created by him. Jesus isn't just a lot like God. Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. You need to know who you're dealing with. The one in whom you live, and the one who lives in you, if you are a Christian, is God himself. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. I don't understand that. Well, that's because he is unique in that regard. But when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the one who created everything. 
Everything, including the invisible stuff, including the thrones, dominions, the rulers, the authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the reason. It's all for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. To this very moment, the reason that it holds together is because of Jesus. And he, that's who we're talking about. He is the head of the body, his church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Now, if that's who we're taking our orders from, it's an honor. It's an honor. Realize that the one who we've been connected to, we're now part of his body. I mean, what if my finger didn't like my head? The head's not in trouble. You understand? Our head is Jesus Christ. What a privilege to get to be in the body, a part of his body, taking orders from him, doing his will. That's a just unbelievable. Because the thing is, we didn't used to be. We used to be creatures of wrath. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Apart from Christ, you and I are useless. Every time I'm about to get up here and speak, I pray the same prayer. Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Lord, please, cleanse me, fill me, use me for your glory. My desire is simply to do his will. Is that your goal? Is that your aim? Once you were alienated, cut off. You were hostile in your minds. When God said do something, you said no. And it was expressed in your evil actions. Paul knew that firsthand. He'd been there. He lived it. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. That was God's purpose. The reason he died on the cross was not just to give you a second chance. It was to make sure that one day when you stand before God, you would stand there holy, faultless, and blameless before him. That's God's plan for you. That's his vision for you. That's what he has designed for you and destined you for. Holy, faultless, and blameless before him. So live like it. That's what will happen if indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. Well, uh, that sounds like uh, you, you, uh, you could lose your salvation. We've already talked about that on other occasions, but I'll tell you again. If you are in Christ you will be kept because he does the keeping. Christians sin sometimes, but when a Christian sins, it's a gut punch. If you can just keep on sinning and enjoying it, 
There's no reason to believe you were ever saved. There's no reason to believe that you're a child of God. Because God's people, even though we still have to deal with sin and temptation, our desire is to please Him. We want to do His will. If you're hearing that and you're saying, it's not me, I'm not sure, then I beg you, while you have the opportunity, ask Him to save you. If you want to please God, that is evidence of His work in you. But if you're saying, you know, I, I just really want to please myself, well then I warn you, repent. Repent. Because there is no hope apart from Christ. And judgment is coming. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.